Welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast, home of all things sports here in the Central Valley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench, episode 68. Jason, uh, this one's been a long time coming. I think you're just as excited about it as I am. Oh, yeah. This is definitely definitely uh, one of those I've been uh, waiting for and looking forward to do. And uh, Yeah, man. I can't wait for this to get released. Yeah, honestly, I'm really excited. And uh, I think he's excited, too. We, we tweeted about it a little bit tonight. And, uh, yeah, we got uh, the legend, man, Colin Slater. Jumping on with us, and uh, it was a fun conversation. It really, really was. Just kind of getting to dig deep into his story, and a lot of that story involves you. No, yeah. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to uh, get to know him and his family uh, when he was probably around, like, third grade or so, and then had the opportunity to coach him um, through, like, elementary school, junior high, and uh, the beginning of his high school career. And so it was fun, and, you know, I was – you know, just fortunate to be a part of, you know, his basketball journey. Um, we do talk about some things. Uh, we do talk about some things. Like, we kind of talk about, the, you know, the CIF and him going to, you know, what going to Clovis North, Emmanuel. And, you know, one of the things, too, is, you know, that it this had nothing. You know, I kind of wanted to put this out there that had nothing to do with, you know, Coach Amundsen at Clovis North of him being – blocked or 365 you know coach hamilton had nothing to do with that or you know the current clovis north administration right now had nothing to do with it but it is unfortunate what happened to him and him having to sit out a year which i still believe is uh was kind of a witch hunt in my opinion but yeah i think one of the uh one of the things i took from this episode the most was just that whole like you know had the transfer been strictly about basketball he would have been at Hoover with you. Yeah, you would have think, you know, that's kind of, I always felt, you know, felt like it was truly about basketball, you know, and I knew him going to Emmanuel, and I've always told this is, it was definitely more than just basketball, and that's the reason why he went to Emmanuel. Um, you know, his face and everything that he stands for, Emmanuel, you know, was a perfect fit for him. Yeah, and I think if you go, it kind of was full circle, right? When he first moved to Fresno, which I didn't know this, but the very first school he attended was Fresno Christian. So he he was kind of always, you know, meant to be a private school kid. Yeah, and he talks about that, and, um, you know, when he was in Louisiana, he went to private school, you yeah. know. So, and we've talked about it too. Um, you know, like that's something I knew he was all, his family was always looking for that, that private school piece, um, something that was going to challenge him not only in the game of basketball, but mentally, physically, and uh, spiritually. Yeah, yeah, man, uh, you just can't say enough. It was a fun conversation, and uh, huge thanks for Colin for, uh, you know, giving up some time and jumping on and, and chatting with us, and uh, yeah, really was a lot of fun, and I really think people are going to enjoy it, and I think we'll probably, uh, you know, see some see some conversation on Twitter about it, and I think people are going to gonna like this one, so yeah, anything uh, anything else going on in, the, in your world, in the in your local sports world? Uh, just, you know, uh, I think you were talking about it on the radio show, just, you know, Clovis North softball, staying, staying undefeated. Um, yeah, I made it out. Clovis I, I made it out to that game, game and 
got to see the big Clovis High game there, and uh, you know North got a big, you know, picked up the win five to two. Um, which it was when Ryan Maddox comes into that game only giving up one run all year. The fact that Clovis High even scored twice off her was kind of a big deal. Yeah, no doubt when you're when not giving up many runs. Yeah, and then you give up two. It's a big deal. They uh, they're they're truly impressive though. I can't. Um, it has me excited to see. Like, okay, let's see them make that run through the playoffs, and if they uh, if they keep it going and win the Valley title, you know, like, you know, how what can they do after that, right? The state playoffs. Well, yep. How far can they go? Yep, they they definitely have the team and they definitely have the talent. Yeah, hundred percent. So, other than that, you know, tomorrow, um, Central at uh, Central versus uh, Buchanan, Buchanan baseball. ESPN's on the call. Um, should be a good game. Central still trying to, you know, bounce back from the whole pitch controversy. And, uh, you know, they got a, they got a tough one. They got to go out, got to go play Buchanan. So. No. Yeah. And the, we've talked about it all year, man. Baseball in this area is absolutely, absolutely talented. Um, and then the track, man, it's, it is an absolute juggernaut. So anything can happen in track baseball. Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, I did see a couple of other things in the basketball world. Um, got some uh, Bulldogs hitting the transfer portal. Did you see that? Uh, I saw. Well, I saw the the Twins are going to Miami. They yeah, so tw- Miami. Twins are going to Miami, and then uh, Braxton Mia and Dion Stroud are in the portal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. 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 Yeah, a little speculation about what does that mean, Braxton Mia? You know, is he? Does does that mean he thinks that Orlando's coming back? Because, uh, you know that you he would be figured to get a lot of playing time if Orlando leaves. But who knows? Could always be a coaching staff situation, not seeing eye to eye. But uh, does does make you wonder a little bit? Yeah, and I've you know there's rumors that there's you know it could be some changes in the uh, like assistants could be moving on too. So you know I don't know if that has a factor in a play and sometimes. You know, players have a better connection with certain assistants. Yeah. You know, when those guys leave, they kind of want to go with them. Yeah, um, seriously. So. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I saw it today on uh, on Twitter, you know, a couple of uh, couple of transfers. Yeah, football has a couple, too. Um, I just saw Jordan Hornbeek uh, at, a, at a memorial. Moving on to somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, a couple Bulldogs, you know. Oh, and then the other one, the football uh, Sunnyside grad, Sherwin King, in the transfer portal. Okay. Okay. Nice. So, yeah. I wish all of them best of luck. Yeah, 100%. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I think the big news in the transfer portal there was that the Twins found a new home. The Cavender Twins are officially at Miami. Yep. I feel like that is 100% just them for their uh, social media and not actually about basketball. Yeah, I think they're absolutely. They're, it's probably looking for, you know, a place they can play ball, but also a place that can uh, maximize, you know, their what they're doing off the court. So, yeah, I'm just trying to keep building the brand, expanding their brand. So, and it's Miami's not a bad place to be. Yeah, it's hard to blame them, right? That's that's what they're, you know, the, the early part of their career, or the you know, the, their future looks like. So, uh, hard to blame them. Might as well get started now. So. Anyways, let's uh I say we kinda let's let's stop talking and get to this interview, man. It was that good. Let's just uh we gotta hear from Colin.
I agree. All right. This is episode 68 of Off the Bench featuring local legend Colin Slater. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast. Jason, this this episode's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, I think this is probably the most anticipated one I've done. Um, I'm not going to lie, I got like little goosebumps, got a little chills doing this one. Um, I've literally known this kid probably since like third grade, I don't know. And like... He's not a kid no more. No, no, but like it's crazy how long I got to know him. I remember when he was at days at Garfield playing on the basketball courts at Garfield Elementary School, then coaching him uh, like at a tournament. I mean, uh, coaching him at a camp. And then, you know, our paths crossed once again. And But, uh, you know, what what this kid means to me, what his family means to me, man, I'll never, you know, I can't, words can't describe. So, but yeah, excited, excited for this one. Yeah, we got, uh, we got the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. Colin Slater. Colin, how you doing today? Oh man, I'm excited to be here. This the out of all the little postseason interviews I've been doing, this is the most exciting one. I'm ready. <laughs> I love it, man. We got the player, the Big West Player of the Year, joining us today. That's big time, man. You had a hell of a season. Man, I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate it a lot. Well, we'll get we'll get to that Big West stuff later, but let's let's go back to the beginning, man. You uh, you obviously you wound up in the Fresno Clovis area, but it, how did that happen? Man, um, Hurricane Katrina, um, I knew that I was – so initially, when we first left, we ended up in, like, the Texas area. And then my dad, he had some ties in Fresno. And then he was like, hey, um, we could we could go see what Fresno's about. Then next thing you know, we're in Fresno. Um, I started off. At crazy story, I started off at Fresno Christian when I first got there, then transferred to Cole Elementary, and then I went to Garfield, and that's where uh, <laughs> that's where we first met me and Jason. No, yeah, I remember. Like one of the funniest times too is like I think you were like at Campus Club or something. And... Campus Club, what you know about Campus Club? <laughs> I literally feel like it you... wasn't outside for Campus Club. I felt like I was playing like with Hunter or something and like we were shooting and just jumping and then you like wanted to play and then you were asking like, oh, can you dunk? And thank God it was only nine feet, but <laughs> I was still youthful back then too. Like I was still young. So legs are still fresh, still had two good Achilles. So, <laughs> but you know, like it was just one of those things. And then I think later that summer you were at a camp, um, like it was like a Hoover Memorial camp. I think Schmitty and Gal yep. did like a, a camp together. And I was like, I was coaching you and, and then somebody's like, Hey, this kid's like in third grade. <laughs> and I was like, this kid is by far the best kid on there. And I mean, like we had high school kids working out. I was like, this kid's literally the best kid there. And like, yeah, it was just, it was a blessing. Cause it's just what people don't understand is just how hard of a worker he is. Um, how hard of a work Colin is, but just like, it takes, it takes a village and, his support staff with his family, the time they put in, the time they sacrificed, like it is an all in process. And I tell people all the time, like your pops senior 
by far the best workout person I've ever seen. And I, I get jealous that I never was able, like, I wish he was in, he was in the area when I was a player because my mm-hmm. game would have been completely, completely different. Yeah. I remember watching you play. <laughs> Fresno Pacific, long stop, getting to it. So, Knockdown shooter, though. We'll say that. So, Colin, that's that's the crazy part I'm hearing is you almost never made it to Fresno. You, you guys almost stopped in Texas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That would have been a whole, a whole different history written. For sure. Way different. Man. No, that's what makes it crazy is, yeah, like, you know, I feel like my life would be, you know, obviously my life is completely different. Like just how much the Slaters have meant to me and um, just, you know, like how much they helped develop me as a coach. And, you know, there's a lot I've learned from his pops and just even, you know, from Colin here, just about just basketball, about life, about my faith. So, you know, a lot of, you know, I'm not the person I am today without them being in my life. Man, I almost cried. <laughs> I, I got to say one thing about your dad. I don't, I don't know your dad personally, but I, I feel like I go to a lot of high school games in this in this area, and I don't know that I've ever been to a, a game where your dad wasn't sitting in the front row. Man, I don't know what's the he got Hollywood on me. He wasn't always like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's front row guy now. I gotta I gotta talk to him now. I'm glad you told me that. He's everywhere, man. Every everywhere I go, every time I walk into a gym, he's there. So Yeah, he loves the game for yeah. sure. So let's talk about, right? Like you end up going to Garfield and then you end up going at Riverview, end up in the Clovis North area, right? Like your dad uh started coaching with Streeter. Yep. But just talk about like just your love for the game. Like just talk about, you know, how much you love the game of basketball and what it meant to you at that age and did you ever think you would accomplish what you've accomplished thus far? Right. Um man, like I always loved the game like people people always say you know you you love to play basketball or you love basketball but um e- even at a young age you know my dad he he instilled in me the you have to want to do this like as a kid normally um kids would typically have to kind of get guided into a direction like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna push you in this direction because you don't know you want it now but you will thank me later it wasn't that type of relationship um with me i knew how good it felt to get better at basketball like i i would always pride myself on if my dad gave me something that i wasn't able to do i would obsess over it until i figured it out like for a long period of time i felt like my jumper as a kid and i I didn't know my limitations your jumper was broke let's be honest your jumper was broke when you were little (laughs) your jumper was broke i used to get on you more than anything about that your jumper was broke Put that out on the record. No one would believe me. No one would believe me if I said if I told them today, like, no, bro, I couldn't shoot. I was to the basket. I was to the basket dropping dimes off. Like I would go get buckets going to the basket dropping dimes off. And then like so overall my, my work my work ethic was there and like it didn't become real to me how much I loved the game until my dad was like I had a real tough workout. Like, it was tough. I, nothing was going right. I was, like, maybe 11 or 12. And he was like, you know what? Maybe you don't want to play. And I was like, and he made me go home. Like, he took me home. Sat, he, he sat me in the house, 
And he drove back to the gym and worked out with all the other high school guys. And he knows I love those high school workouts. So then he was like, when he got back home, I was like, I was upset. I was distraught. I was crying. I'm like, dad, like, why'd you do that to me? And he's like, I just wanted to make sure you love this game. I want to make sure you love it. And you wasn't just there to just go through the motions. You can't take nothing for granted. So the little lessons along the way molded me into, you know, being just a worker for the process, not necessarily for the results, even though we still live with the results. Like, we, we're here for the process. Um, but as far as me thinking that I would accomplish all I've accomplished up until this point, I've never really put, like, a ceiling on what I would do. I just knew I wanted to be the best in any situation I was in. Like, I didn't want to look on my team, on another team, in our conference. Like, you know how competitive I am, uh, Jason. Like, we were in middle school. Like, we weren't trying to lose nothing. Like, a scrimmage, a, a AU game, a spring game, a actual league game. Like, we're not trying to lose nothing. So, um, I think competition fueled me to get to where I'm at for sure. So, I think – this is one like people talk about, I think with coaching you, like I got the privilege to coach you for four years. And I honestly feel like I look back at it and I probably as the one thing I loved about his family, they allowed me to coach him. But at the same time, I felt like I always held you back because of that, because I was always in my head. Like you said, like you could go score, like you could go score, drop 30, 40 a game if you wanted to. But I was always I just look back at our junior high teams. I remember like we had, you know, we split the teams up in two and it would be the top six would be on one team and I would give Colin the bottom six, but then like he'd, he'd be expected to win. But at the same time, like I'd always get on you if you weren't making the correct read. Like right. I remember the one time I kicked you out of practice cause you wouldn't pass the ball. <laughs> you remember that? Like I kicked you out of the practice and you were just like, Dude, I remember that vividly. That was the first time I've ever got kicked out and I've never been kicked out of a practice since then. <laughs> Like, because he wouldn't pass the ball, and it was just like, hey, Colin, like, you got to pass. You're like, well, I'm trying to win the competition. I was like, well, make your teammates better. And you're like, my teammates aren't very good. And I was like, I understand <laughs> that. And I think that's the one thing is I always try to make him make the correct read. And I used to always tell him, like, you're going to – in college. like, my whole thing was I was always trying to prepare him for college. I always Man. wanted him to be ready for that moment when he got to college because I felt like when I got to college, I wasn't prepared for certain things. And I've always wanted to make sure my players were prepared. And I always told Colin, like, make the correct read. Like, you're going to score. You're going to always be able to score. But you got to be able to make the correct read. And the guy you're passing to, I don't want to name any names on our team, but you might be passing that kid. Like, he's not going to be able to make that play. But when you get into college, that guy's going to be able to make that play. And I used to all, which is funny, I used to all, the number one thing I used to always get on him is to be able to shoot the mid-range jump shot. Shoot that pull-up mid-range jump shot. Don't always, he always wanted to go to the rack, taking on just getting beat up, and I'm like, you're like a running back. You can only take so many hits. You're not going to be the six seven six eight guy, even though you're out here blocking seven-footers at Long <laughs> Beach, but that's a whole other story. But you remember saying, I used to always get mad at you. Shoot the pull-up. Shoot the three. You got to be able to knock down the three. I used to get on them all the time, but you can't shoot. Like, how are you supposed to go on to the next level if you can't shoot? Man, my jumper was broke, man. I blame you. For, you, you, you lacked in skill development. <laughs> man you wouldn't shoot it you wouldn't shoot it you're just like i can get to the basket i want to score i understand you can score but man work on your game we're gonna win these we're gonna win these games anyways but get better right, get developed um but i never forget it i remember one time i got on him in junior high and vera his mom got super mad at me 
because like I I pulled you out. Like you end up scoring, or I told you not to shoot something or whatever. I pulled you out. I remember like mom was like, "Why did you ever tell him not to score again?" I was like, "No, I'm trying to tell him to make the correct read." Like, because I think it was like you had a guy open or like you drove in. I think you got like an and one or something like that. You might have scored like or, but I was like the play should have been like shoot the pull up like. Work right. smart, and that's one thing I always told kids: work smarter, not harder. Like shoot the yeah. pull up. Like don't need to be taking up, taking beating. Like you can't just be going to the. Cause he used to fall all the time. That's what people don't realize. Yeah. He was always on the <laughs> ground. I'm like, your body can't hold up. You just always on the ground. That's facts. <laughs> so, Colin, you said you still remember getting tossed out of practice to this day. Well, obviously that made an impact. Daniel, you got to understand, like me. I, I don't think we can put into words me and Jason's relationship just because, like, for me, I loved him. Like, he, he was a coach I loved. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew for a fact going into every day at practice or going into every game, like, he cares about this just as much as me. Like, I know it already. Like, he, if not more, like, he wants to win. And more importantly, he wants me to be a good player. I knew that at that age. So I had, like, 110% trust. So when he kicked me out, I was so pissed off because I'm like, dog, I'm trying to win. And you talking about some reads and you got you got guys on the other team like they were trying to win. And I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to lose no competition and nobody. And then like we we were struggling, like we couldn't score for some reason. Well, I know the reason I was getting triple team in a four and four and I still wasn't <laughs> passing. So it's going to be tough to score. But he he when he kicked me out, man, that left an impression. I was like, yeah. I got it. It was hey Jason. Didn't we see each other at the high school practice? Yeah, because yeah, because right after, right after, <laughs> I had to go to the high school practice, and you were in there shooting off to the side, and then like you wanted nothing to do with me, and then I remember your dad's like, "What happened?" I kind of explained, and he's like, "Oh, he needs that. He needs that." And this my is dad, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I'm about to say my dad will never think you're wrong. Like my one thing about my dad and Jason, like. Their relationship, I always felt like my I love my dad and I trust my dad. And I love Jason, I love and I trust Jason. But it was like whenever they team up, I know I'm wrong. I already know. <laughs> I'll never forget when was it like sixth grade year? Like I'm gonna put you out there. I talked about Lil Colin, I was like, You should average a triple double. There's no reason why you shouldn't average a triple double. And he right. comes and tells me, he's like, Oh, that's tough. I don't know if I can do that. I was like, Hold on. Pops, senior, come here. And he's like, what's up? I was like, don't you think Lil' Con should average a triple-double? He could average a triple-double with ease. He's like, oh, yeah, easily, easily. He's like, what's wrong? And then Lil' Con had to open it. And this is like sixth grade. He's like, he's like, that's tough, man, average a triple-double. And his dad's like, what, you can't do that? Like, why could you not do that? He's like, I don't see how you can't do that. And then he tried to argue. And then it was just, we don't, my man, Lil' Con, Con left. He left the gym a little emotional because he got teamed up on. But it was just, but but I don't think like people understand like those were the expectations. It was, it was right. always at that age like we expect you to do this, this, and this, but also make the correct reads. And the one thing I used to always get on him is defensively. I'm like, you can't take right. plays off. Like I expect you to be perfect. And I think that's the same thing his parents expected him, and because right. that's what we knew he expected out of himself. And so right. that was our standard for him, and we knew when. He would be upset with us if we didn't ever held him accountable for those things as well, because he was right. always expecting that out of his teammates. Like he's, you know, what I'm saying I still I, that's the one thing I love about you today is you 
the commanding, like how you command your team, how you how just the leadership skills. Because he's always had that. He's always you knew little you knew Colin, whatever he was gonna do in life, he was gonna be successful. And he was gonna do a hundred percent. And that's the one but it's just some of those man, some of those conversations, he's dead on like when his pops and I started talking and Colin was in trouble. And then if his mom got involved too, boy, it was over. It's over. <laughs> it's over with. You might as well hang it up. So, yeah, so we had some, you know, absolute fun times. Um, I'll never forget too, like this is, we had some flat out battles. Remember, I remember, you know, like you said, we always were on to win AAU, uh, like preseason games, summer league, all that stuff. And everyone was gunning for us. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted to beat us. Everyone wanted to beat us. It was just, we got every team's best thing. And, like, the thing that was frustrating, too, is because everyone knew how talented you were. You used to never get any calls. They used to just mug you and beat you up and just hack you and just whatever. And I'll never forget one time I straight up said in a game, and this is probably wrong of me, but they started blowing the whistle because a little call, you know, calling you were talented. I remember telling them to trap the arm and spin. Mm-hmm. If they're gonna keep reaching, <laughs> trap it and spin. I was like, I was like, and I remember saying, "Hey, trap and spin. If it dislocates or breaks, that's on them." And the refs like, "What?" I was like, "Then blow the whistle." What else I gotta tell my kid to do? I think he was like in seventh grade, sixth grade, which is kind of wrong, but <laughs> but that's kind of just, you know, what I'm saying like that's kind of like the nature we had to kind of go to, just so yeah. we could compete and win games. Crazy. So, Colin, <clears throat> as you uh. You know, as you're, you know, growing up, getting ready to go into high school, I'm looking back to when, you know, like I was around in Fresno going to games and I, I didn't necessarily know who you know, know about you yet. But then you come into high school freshman year and just kind of take the valley by storm. Right. Like what was that? Mm-hmm. Little, just talk about your freshman year. Man, um, I know because my junior, my junior high school year, my seventh grade year. Um, my, I'm, I'm gonna just track back to my mentality. My seventh grade year, um, I felt like the game was easy, but diff- I, I needed to improve a lot. Like I, I, I was still successful, but I needed to get better at a lot of things. And Ian, Jason, you could correct me if I'm wrong at any at any point. From seventh to eighth grade, I made a big jump in really figuring out. Okay, I need to be able to make plays for my teammates, as well as you know getting my own, you know what I mean? And I found a a solid balance because I knew who my teammates were. And, you know, me and Jason already had a year under our belt. So I felt confident in commanding the team as well as taking chances and, you know, guarding the best guys. And I was was used to being the guy. I was used to it with the expectation of being a winner and everybody wanting to beat us. Like we were going to – we were taking different type of challenges as far as tournaments. Um, we was trying to play everybody. So going into my high school year, it was the same program for me with the with the exception of, you know, I'm playing against older guys, but it allowed me to unlock so much more of my game. Like in middle school, like Jason would say, bro, like a lot of times I wouldn't get calls or like I wasn't able to make certain passes because not everybody can catch those passes. Because beyond that point, not everybody even wants to play basketball. Like, middle school is still kind of fun. Like, you're not really super serious. But then, like, as we continue to – as I continue to go to high school, um, I I unlocked a lot more in my game because I was playing with different types of athletes and playing against most of the people I already played against. Like, 
every weekend when I trained. So it was like, now I'm playing with referees because when my dad's there, he's not giving me calls and these guys are following me because they can't guard me. Like now I'm in the game and everybody's kind of seeing what, what already goes on. So it wasn't too much of a surprise to me. It was just now I had a chance to do it. No, I think he makes a great point. His eighth grade year. So what people don't understand too is he always wanted to play me one-on-one. Always <laughs> wanted to play me one-on-one. Always wanted to play me one-on-one. And then finally, like, I think we played – I'd always beat him. And then eighth grade year, always. one time, like, he goes, we played, and he beat me. And then I was like, all right, let's do this again. And then he beat me again. I was like, I'm done playing this kid. I'll never play this kid again. <laughs> I was like, he's going to surpass me. Like, it's it's a wrap. Like, I was like – and the thing is, like, it was funny, too, because he always had set rules of how he's going to play one-on-one. <laughs> he always had the set rules of how we were going to play one-on-one. And so what he would do is, like, so how you would play it, so, like, it would – like, I wouldn't be able to use my height against him. Because at the time he was smaller, so we'd play, and it was just like, so it was yeah. But it was one of those things. It was yeah. He was his jump that he made from seventh grade to eighth grade was on because he started being able to knock down a shot. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he started able to knock down that three, and that's one of the things too. Is when we play one on one, I was just like, I'm gonna let him shoot because he's broke. And then he started hitting it, and then he, that boy is crafty. That boy is crafty. And that was the thing is too. We never played with limited dribbles. And that was always the frustrating thing because Colin always had a handle. Always right. had a handle. And I'll never forget your dad videotape. Your dad probably still got on videotape. You hit me with this move. I don't even remember what you did. Like you spun and threw it behind my back and got a layup. And I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done. This guy's out here just mixing me right now. Just going to be on somebody's highlights. This little eighth graders highlight tape. But, Man. but what people also don't understand too is going into Colin's freshman year, I wasn't going to coach at Clovis North. I had accepted right. a position to be an assistant at Fresno Pacific with Coach Wright. And so I remember Colin calling me. Like, he would call me all the time, like, you got to come back, man. He's like, we've been working on this for three years. Like, mm-hmm. Coach, you know, I'm in high school now. You're supposed to be there with me. And I'm just like, I mean, this is my opportunity. Like, I feel like this was my opportunity to make that jump, make that move. And the crazy thing is, like, I was – I and as I've gone on with my belief and my faith with God, like I remember just, I had, you know, Streeter was trying to get me to come back as well. And, you know, everyone was trying to have me come and go back to, go back to uh, Clovis North. But I'll never forget the day I was supposed to meet the FPU team. And the FPU team was absolutely talented that year. They had John Taylor, they had Malcolm, like that team was super talented. Um, Mm -hmm. That might've been like, literally that probably could, you could argue is probably the most talented team FPU's ever had. And they were crazy. And the day I'm supposed to go meet them, I'm supposed to go meet the team and the players and everything. I go out there and my truck got stolen from my front yard. And I was like, if this ain't a sign that I should not be coaching the FPU, I don't know what is. Right. And so I was like, you know something? Let me just go back to North. Let me go back to North. And man, it was our coaching staff with Streeter, myself, um, we had Casey Music. We had uh, his dad. Uh, I think Coach Hurley was on the team, on the staff as well. Like, the expectations. And, like, what people don't understand, too, is Colin really was a freshman, but he was expected to do everything. And, right. you know, we had David Wells, you know, football player. Like, we had other guys, Tyman Lachlan, Kyle Ritter. We had other football guys. But, really, there wasn't really many basketball dudes. A lot of good athletes, but not a lot of yeah. good basketball guys. And so, and it was just like, there was – 
we expected him we expected the world out of him and like I'm gonna bring it up, but the Mission Oak game. Mm. You want blame on them shoes, but that's all right. Um It is that bro to <laughs> blame on them shoes. But, it was the shoes for sure. Yeah, I remember your dad telling you not to wear those shoes before the game too, but that's a whole nother story. Um we played Mission Oak and usually like I was in charge of like I was in charge of substitution patterns, defensive matchups. And um Mission Oak had Blake Shannon, right? It was Blake, right? That's the that's the one. Yeah. I'll right. never forget him. So usually what I would do is my men, my mindset of I want Colin to prepare him for college. Usually Rudy Lopez would be the guy I would put on our best defender. But I was like, I'm gonna put Colin on Blake Chan. This is gonna be his moment. Blake Chan, I think, was a senior at the time, junior or senior. Yeah, he's a senior. One of the best players, you know, one of the best players in the area. But I remember like Colin, like we're going to win or lose with Colin guarding the other team's best player because our expectation is he has to be able to guard these type of players. Even if he's only a freshman, he's going to be a senior. He's going to face guys that are as good or not even better when he gets to a four-year. So he wins and, you know, guards him. <laughs> Hit him with a little, little cross. Colin slips. Shoes gave out. He's on the ground as Blake is hitting a pull-up jumper from the elbow. And, you know, we lost, and I remember, like, Rudy was like, why would you guard? And I'm just like, hey, man, I'm going to make the coaching decisions that I'm going to make. But my whole mindset was we're making these decisions not for the benefit of the team, and we might lose games, but we'll sacrifice the team so this kid can be able to shine as he gets older. Right. And, that, you know, that was our mindset, but it would be funny, though, because his dad – Call him, make a mistake, and his dad like, sub him out. Get him out. Get him out. And we're just like, we ain't got nobody else to put in. He's like, get him out. Get him out. We're just like, the game just started. He made the he just passed, he just made the wrong read. That was it. His dad's like, get him out. Get him out. He can't play at Dude, this level. after that moment, he, bro, you know my dad, every day until we played the next game, was talking about that move. Like, yeah. at home, at practice. At workouts, he took a picture with flowers at the spot. Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And then he brought it. Uh, he, I remember your dad would bring the iPad. He'd bring the Man. iPad, the tablet, and would just uh -huh. show it. Just be like, hey, you remember this? And just show <laughs> it. Just show the spot, just the move right there. Jeez, man. But, yeah, it was like I had, like, I had the absolute pleasure because the one, the coolest thing was, too, is that his parents gave me free reign to coach him. Like, even, like, his freshman year, like, his dad's like, I'm not coaching him. That's on you. And I've just, you know, like, it was cool because we had that relationship and his parents trusted that, you know, like, I was going to correct him and make sure he, you know, hold him accountable. But that was right. always – that was the coolest thing is because, you know, your dad was always like, I'm a coach, but I don't want to coach him. I'm a coach the team, but right. then I want to still be dad. And so that was right. always the coolest thing. Yeah, y'all had that on lock. That was a good staff, man. It was a fun staff. So, Streeter ends up moving on, right? We're right. gonna we're gonna we're gonna spit the facts here, real. We're gonna speak the truth here. So, right. Streeter leaves, goes be the Granite Ridge AD. Tony Amundsen becomes the head coach at Clovis North. And right. at that time, right, it was crazy because Kate Alcorn had just transferred in. Um, right. Right. There was rumors that Marcus Levette, if Streeter stayed, was going to come in. Right. Like our team was, our team, T 
team was looking nice. Um, but yeah, it was about- yeah, that was going to be squad because you know there were talks with like Donovan Mitchell. Like we had some guys that were like wanting to come to North, and a lot of it was they wanted to play with Colin. That's what it was. Right. They wanted to play with Colin. Um, we had RJ there. We had Darren Person there. Um, Jonah, right? Jonah was going to be a sophomore. Elijah Strader was going to be a freshman. We probably lose Javon Johnson. We probably do lose Javon. I think Javon probably ends up transferring out. Obviously, Ben yeah. never transfers in. But like the team was going to be team was going to be absolutely loaded. But you know, Strader leaves, and so you know, like it was one of those things that you know, Clovis North probably, you know, probably not the place where it's going to be at for, you know, a lot of our players. Um, and so the crazy thing is everyone assumed wherever I went that Colin was going to go. And that's right. what was, I think was the funny part is because I got offered everything. I'm not going to name names, but I got not name coaches, but I had meetings where coaches would meet with me and were like, Hey, if you're on the staff, like I had one coach, the very powerful program now where they literally said like, you can be the head coach. This person is going to be the, the like director of sport. He'll be the figure standing up, but we're going to run your stuff. You're going to be the offense. Like, right. I got offered teaching jobs, different things. I ended up, you know, going to Hoover and Colin and Darren and, you know, they end up RJ, they, you know, they chose Emmanuel, which I feel like was a great choice for them because right. I truly believe I'd have held you back because my mind's like, I don't think you would have ever had like the 50 point accolades that you had because yeah. I don't think I ever would have allowed you to shoot that much. <laughs> yeah, facts. You know, like well, we got we got to talk. Let's spend at least a minute here. We got to talk about that decision. You so you go, you go to Emmanuel, right, Colin? And it definitely kind of like you know got people talking in the valley. Everybody had an opinion one way or the other, right? Right. It was uh, it was just the the hot topic back then. I. I'll never forget those those times because I, I I don't I don't know that anybody really knew the truth, but everybody was talking no. about it. <laughs> Nobody knew the real. So let's well, uh, go ahead. Over. Um, the the reason why I left for me personally, it didn't have anything to do with basketball. A lot of people don't know this. So, around two weeks before, Coach Strader decided to take another job. It was two weeks before. You know, I'm I've already played my varsity season, like I'm I'm knowing like people know me on campus. I'm at PE, I'm in sports PE, I'm lifting weights or whatever. We're on our way to the locker room. I mean, they have this kid. Well, like it, I don't know, I don't know what ethnicity he is, but he wasn't he wasn't a white kid. He was like, Hey, he called me the N word once and I'm like, Yo, what? I'm asking him, what is it? And he's a senior by the way, like he's an older guy. And it's him and a group of his friends. Kind of like, it seemed like they put him up to it. And then he says it again. And then I'm like, okay, bet. Like, we're about to go to the locker room. So we're all walking into the locker room. They don't come inside yet. And I'm upset. RJ heard it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's my guy. So he was like, yo, bro, you got to be smart, though. You got to understand, like, whatever you do at this point, it's going to be your fault. Like, you got to know that. And I'm like, bro, this is I'm like I'm upset because I'm like this dude and all his like all his upperclassmen friends feel like they could just talk crazy. Like I'm not understanding none of that. And no one really understands how um upset I am because you gotta understand the demographic at Clovis North. Like there's not a lot of black kids there. And then like to be quite frank, like if you black, you probably not like really like me type of black. Like you're not really hit to 
the nuances of racism and the subtle like microaggressions that you got to go through with like people saying stuff about your hair, all the little things. Like I know all that. I'm raised like that. So when, when that happened, I'm upset. I'm in the locker room. RJ like, yo, bro, be smart. Just go ahead and tell somebody, tell somebody. So they really get handled. So I tell somebody and administrators are taking their time. They figuring it out. So fast forward, maybe a few days later, um, so they had called the guys in the office, the group of guys, they, they were saying, you don't have to worry about them no more. I'm thinking they're out of there. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, cool. So now like, cause at, at this point, how I'm raised and what I like, where I come from, you telling it's crazy. Like that's crazy. And I'm thinking, so I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with that on top of the fact that first of all, like this dude said, whatever he said, and he's just like, nothing happened to him. So now I told whatever, boom, then they're, they're out of school for like a day or two. And then the next day they come back, like within three or four days, they come back. And I see one of them after school. He was like, Hey, yo, you a snitch. So at that point, I'm like, I can't be here. Cause in the, in the meetings, when I'm talking to the administrators, they're like, you cannot do anything physically to these people for saying things to you. They're words. But I'm like, you're not, you're not understanding that they may be worse to you. And it's like the, the lack of understanding on my end. I'm a young kid. And first of all, these cats are like 17, 18. I'm like 14. I'm, I'm a freshman in high school. So I'm like, on top of that, nah, I don't feel comfortable. Because like, if you're telling me I can't defend myself when cats are saying whatever, you know what I mean? And they're still walking around here. And I got to look them in their face after they say what they said to me. And y'all not going to have my back on this, but you expect me to just be here and play basketball. You crazy. So at that point, I already made up my mind. And I told my parents, I'm like, yo, look, I can't do this. I can't. Not me. And RJ was like, shoot, me either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we already on the same page. I'm like, yo, bro, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm, I can't be here. Basketball or not, I can't be here. I got to do something different. And at that point, that's when we get to the uh, – to the point of me leaving. So hearing everybody say whatever they say, no, that story never came out. You know what I mean? Like, I've never heard that. Because, of course, you don't want to hear about that. You know what I'm saying? No, and I, I don't think other people understand, too, is, like, when you were in New Orleans, like, you went to private school. Right. <laughs> and that's what people don't realize is, like, when he, like, you know, he first came, he started off, you said you started at Fresno Christian. You were always looking to go to a private school. And that's what I, right. I people who, like, who were in your circle that knew like there were conversations when Colin was in sixth grade about, we need to find a private school for him. Seventh grade, right. private school, eighth grade. Private. There's always been those conversations. What private school can we go to that is going to help him grow as a person, his help grow him at, as, in his faith. And that's also going to help grow him as a basketball player. So that's what they were always looking for. And we always, right. I always knew that every year he could be gone. And right. that's the thing. Like we always knew that. And so, we're going to fast forward to like the CIF meeting where, you know, his parents called me and just be like, can you be, you know, I guess just, I don't know, just be there in their behalf and kind of just tell them what, you know, I guess be like a witness or key witness. I don't know really what, you know, it was a stupid meeting in Porterville. It was already a waste of time. So, you know, he's at Emmanuel and pretty much Clovis Unified was trying to block him 365 him. And so, his parents bring evidence of what kind of Colin 
had just talked about, what he just alluded to, but it, his freshman year wasn't the first time this had happened to him. There's right. times that happened to him in elementary school. Right. Right? There's different times where this happened in junior high. So, like, there's a history of him being called the N-word, different racial things happened to him where Clovis Unified did not handle it. And so they were just like, how can we put faith in this district that they're going to take care of my son when they haven't shown that yet? Right. And so I kind of let CIF know that if it was purely about basketball, shoot, wouldn't he have been at Hoover? Right. Right? Like, I'd coached you for the last four years. If it was strictly about basketball, why would he go play for CJ, who he hadn't played for since, what, like, third grade when you first got here at Fresno Christian? Right. If that. You know? Like, and so Clovis Unified, the AD at the time at Clovis North, I'm not going to name names, and the principal at the time at Clovis North, blatantly lied trying to say that CJ and Nate McClurg coached Colin when they were at Clovis North. Not once did they coach Colin at Clovis North. They tried to say that they gave him rides. I was like, man, they didn't, they never went by went through Carl's Junior lines. They didn't go, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they never went through Carl's Junior line with like they never dropped him off by the house by, you know, his house across the street from Food for Less. Like they like Ooh, You know. They don't know about that. <laughs> you know, me taking a little Colin home and him just being like, "Hey, let's I'm hungry. Let's all right, let's go to Carl's Junior right there. You want Carl's Junior? You want you know like And so if it's strictly about basketball, he would have been at Hoover. And so, like, the crazy thing is, right, Clovis Unified, Clovis North, they have the little stampede, whatever, like the little K through six, you know, like your little, like little hoopsters type thing. They said it was K through eighth. And that, like, that's where Colin would be in contact with, which is false. There's no Clovis Unified program that goes boys basketball that goes K through eighth. It's all K through six. So that was the thing that was kind of frustrating is I'm sitting in this meeting and just hearing blatant lies after blatant lies after blatant lies. Just so a kid, because he doesn't want to play basketball at Clovis North, because he wants to better himself, he wants to put himself in a better position, you're going to hold a kid back just because he doesn't want to play basketball for you? And that's the thing that I kind of was like, this is like, this is dumb. Like, and I'll be honest, I lost those two people. You can ask, I'm not going to name names, but I have the least amount of respect for both of them because they lied. And I'm like, if you're supposed to be a person of character and, you know, doc, people who know Doc's Charge, like that's that's the complete opposite of Doc's charge. If you're truly about the kids, you're gonna make sure these kids are in a better position to succeed. And if that means not being in close unified, that means being in another district, then so be it. But it's I felt like me being in education and me being in coaching, because both those guys were coaches, especially basketball coaches, it should be about the kids. Kids first. But that's the problem. You got a lot of people who don't want to put kids first. It's about their egos. I ain't got time for egos. What's crazy, Colin, is, you know, just as, you know, obviously I'm on the outside, but just as like a local sports fan back then, all I all I remember hearing is, well, it makes, it makes sense. Colin went to, you know, he went to Emmanuel because he used to play like AU ball for CJ and or whatever. There was always this talk that he used to play for CJ. Um, right. But what's crazy is, like, why did the 365 matter so much? It wasn't like you were going to Clovis West. It wasn't like you were going to really matter to Clovis like they could just ignore you out there, right? Like, it, why? Why did it was? Why did it matter that much? Um, I think it's more so the the act of saying, "All right, you decide to leave us, you get consequence for that. Like you you get you get a penalty for 
for you leaving us. You know what I mean? And for me, like truthfully, the, the whole experience um, with me choosing to go to Emmanuel out of all schools, because at the time, you got to understand too, like I'm a top 100 player in the country. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like top 40 in my position in the country and number three in my position in my state behind Lonzo Ball and uh, I forget the other kid's name. Um, it was it was me and Lonzo Ball was top three, and me and him was flip flopping at two and three. So I had I had options nationally, like I was thinking of going to Montverde, I was thinking of going to Oak Hill, I was thinking of going to West Lynn, I was thinking of going all different type Lake Oswego where Kevin Love went. You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was trying to I was doing a lot of different different things, and the reason why I stayed and went to Emmanuel was because out of all the places that they were talking about or that I was talking to basketball-wise, Emmanuel was the only one that really talked about faith with me. Like, they were like, nah, like, I'm not, they didn't even show me a gym. Like, I didn't even see the gym, and I didn't care to see it. They were like, listen, this is where we have chapel at. We have this every Monday and Wednesday, and you can come in here anytime. And we, we teach Bible, like, not Bible literature, but we teach everything with Christ involved. So I'm like, dude, this is an area where I'm going from Clovis North where you can't really pray at school. That's illegal, bro. Like, they're not going to let you do that. So where it's a Christ-centered education and you're around people who think like that and your administrators live like that. And, like, it's, it was going to help me grow as a person because, quite frankly, when, you, when you're in public school, you know it's different. You know what I mean? Like, people live by different rules. And, like, I'm hanging around older cats, so I'm seeing a lot at a young age. And I'm like, nah, this can't be real. You know what I'm saying? This can't be what I'm about to be about. So me seeing something different automatically attracted me to that. I'm like, the basketball is going to take care of itself because I got, I got faith in my pops, one, and I understand that high school basketball is an end-all, be-all in a sense to where there's also AAU. I was still invited to tournaments, and people are going to find you. You know what I'm saying? If you're good, people are going to come see you. So, yeah, that was a that was a main that was a main indicator on you know Emmanuel why they were so they stuck out to me in that sense. But Clovis Unified definitely wanted to um, show that they you can't leave their area, especially if you're an important you know piece. No, I and I think the funny thing is I'm not trying to you know like R.J. Horn that was like his third Emmanuel was like his third school in three years. Darren's <laughs> third school in three years, right? Like. Like Aaron, you know, Aaron left. Like there's, you know, um, Baker. What was Baker's first name? Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, Kyle left. Like these are all black kids that left Clovis North. Nobody else talked about that though. There's right. five black kids that left Clovis North that all had similar things that happened to them at Clovis North, and all of them, all the four out of the five, all were able to play right away. Colin <laughs> was the only one that was three sixty five. Which was they made it out half once they yeah. found out he played. He, they found he played JV. They said, "Hold on, we gotta get him at least." <laughs> yeah, but it was just you know it's one of those things. It's just like you know what you know what is your reasoning of that? It's just and it was only you know sports related. But I truly believe you know Colin going to Emmanuel and I tried to I'd always tell people he's there for the religious aspects of life, um, and you know like it was it's crazy because every weekend. You know, I could like if it, I could have been bitter. I, I don't know, like I don't know why I would be bitter. But you know, there are certain people who are like, "Oh, aren't you mad that Colin didn't come play for you?" I was like, 
why would I care if he didn't come play for me? But I was like, our relationship goes beyond that. And I remember probably get me in trouble too, but every weekend they would be in Hoover's gym every weekend. Right. And even if I couldn't be there, his dad senior, I would give him the keys. I would either take it to his house or I would leave him at my house. He'd come pick him up. I'd give him the alarm code, how to turn it off. And so they were always in Hoover's gym, which right. is probably, you know, well, they can't do nothing now. I'm gone so long, but yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or I would give the keys to Alex Giannetta. And then G would be opening up the gym, like the time when he was doing it on New Year's, New Year's night, right. open up the gym. And that's, you know, that was a thing that Colin and his family, they did that for as long as I've known them. They would be, they would welcome the new year getting in the gym and getting shots up. Right. And, you know, like Alex, Alex was in the gym with them doing that. And, you know, as they pray and everything, like that's what people don't realize, like how deep this family's faith is. And because of their deepness and their beliefs and their religious beliefs, like that grew on to me. And like I, my, my, the walk I have with God and Christ, like I wouldn't have had that if these people weren't in my life. Right. Real. Man. So you, uh, you wind up at, at Emmanuel, you're playing ball out there and, let's just say it immediately right you guys are the hottest ticket in town right i remember like i wasn't always driving out to Reedley, but like anytime you guys were playing in fresno like everybody was there it was the it, you just had to be in the gym for those games lit you know what i'm saying lit they there to see the show i think um in in that moment i'll, I'll speak on my junior year because there was one tournament in particular the hoover invitational my junior year it was our first time being back in Fresno. Like, I can't. I don't remember a game where the whole gym was like it was packed, and we didn't have a lot of fans. Like, we didn't have the type of fans that was gonna talk back to the other fans. But we were so good, and we kind of knew going into it like everybody wants to beat us. You know what I'm saying? Because we got, like, I'm back now. We still had Darren. We had RJ. The, this is the first time guys. Yeah, Nate, too, right, Kendrick? Yeah, Nate, too. Like, so it's the first time people are seeing all of us on at this point. And they want to see, oh, are they, are they really still like that? Like, are they a good team? Dude, every single game I remember, like, there was so much, like, energy in the crowd. But we always knew he was the best, though. Like, and we always want to show that. But, uh, like, a lot of times things didn't line up to where we could play every single team in the Valley. Because we wanted to come back to Fresno and kick everybody's butt at their school, for sure. Like, we was on that time. No, the thing is, too, is I remember talking with CJ, is a lot of teams wouldn't play them. Like, the, right. the Clovis schools wouldn't play them. Like, it was literally, like, Clovis schools wouldn't play them. Um like Clovis Unified, like people don't understand too. Like Clovis Unified got to the point too, where like his dad, they wouldn't even allow his dad to work people out in the gym. Like if people opened up the gym and like a Clovis Unified gym, and he was in there, like people would get like you like the higher ups would call and be like, well, he, he can't be in our gym. And it's just like all because this kid tried to go. You know, he just went to a different path. But no, I remember the craziest game was that semifinals game against Roosevelt with Bam and Bryson. That Bro. game was unbelievable. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> hey, Jason, I knew it was real 
so when I went down, I, heard, I rolled my ankle. I heard like half the crowd cheer. I was like, oh yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm hated now. Like it, it's, it's real and it's crazy. And people don't understand this either. Like to, to be, I, w- I wouldn't say like, you know, like most hated or whatever, but for everybody to want to beat you, like everybody talking about Clovis Unified, Fresno Unified. You think people that look like you want to see you win? Nope. People that don't like you don't, that don't look like you don't want to see you win too. So we going into every game and mind you, no one, like no one's really thinking about you being 16, you know what I'm saying? Going out here and playing. They don't think about that. They just know you Colin Slater and I want you to win. That Roosevelt game, dude, with Bryson, Bam, like, be honest, Jason, was that an evenly matched game? Be honest. No, like, like they also had, they also, what people don't understand, they had the McCoys. I know they had Ricky for sure. I don't know if they had, I can't remember if Curtis had graduated or not the year before, but they also had Keontae Howard. Like, that Roosevelt team, the Roosevelt team was stacked. (laughs) That Roosevelt team was stacked. And I remember that game, and I remember I set it up. I set that game up because I was like, hey, the semifinals, this is what I this is what people are gonna watch. And then I know Weston Ranch was in the other semifinals um with Jalen Ragsdale and them. But like that game was just it was back and forth, went down to the wire. And like you looked at that game and you're just like, This is high level basketball. This right. is high, high level basketball. What people don't understand too is that the HIT at those times, like and I tell people all the time that the NYL, talent for talent. NYL had more talent in that league than the track did. And it just yeah, sucked because sure. it just happened to be my two years I coached in and they're going to be the best league, but that sucked. But <laughs> but the talent, yeah, the Roosevelt team was absolutely stacked, absolutely loaded, and Chiz does an unbelievable job of getting his players ready, prepared, and focused. And, yeah, that team, the game was just unbelievable. It was just it was high-level basketball, still one of the best games, high school basketball games I've ever seen. Easily. But I do remember when you rolled your ankle and people were like, because you came out and people were cheering and and then I was yep. like, I was like, oh, this cannot be how it goes. This cannot how it be it goes. I wish you would have rolled your ankle when we played y'all in the Emmanuel Championship game. That would have been nice. That was actually a cool game because that's the first time we've ever competed against each other, even though y'all Man. beat us like by twenty or twenty five. But that was cool. And the craziest thing was what. People don't understand, like like Colin talked about, alluded to earlier, is like our relationship. Like we joke around a lot, but we're also both know that we're super serious. And <laughs> one of the things that he does, I'm like he does, and I'm pretty sure he kind of got it from me, but he does it to me at times to annoy me when we're going in. It is he still does it to this day, which I absolutely love. He will start clapping his hands and yelling, "Let's go!" And that <laughs> is something I used to do when we coached. Is we go on a run, and I would just clap and just start, and it would just absolutely annoy other coaches when like we'd go on a run, and then he started doing it, and like our whole teams would start doing it. But then he did that against me when I Hoover. I was like, "This guy right here, <laughs> this guy right here." But no, yeah, it was it was fun. It was absolutely fun to go watch him play. Colin, walk us through that game going up against uh, Coach Lafour. What was that like from your perspective? Dude, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of goosebumps, you know what I'm saying? Because you know how much respect, you know, I have for Jason. You know what I'm saying? Like, the respect is is so high. I knew he would give me 
the best defensive look regardless of how how talented his team was he was going to give me the best defensive look i would ever see in high school ever like because he was one person who really knew my game like he knew it front to back like he knows the essence of college you know what i'm saying like regard it's kind of like when you know a person if they were chubby at one point and then they got skinny but other people met him when he was skinny he knew me when i was chubby <laughs> so like I'm like oh bro he's he's about to give me some looks that I don't want to see, um but it it was just it was just a limitation on on pieces that he had because I still had like I was at a point where I was still using my teammates well like I would just use Darren I'm like okay nobody's big enough to guard him I let Darren score the first ten points and then he break the game open and at that point I'm like all right now everybody can score so had to get Jason up out of there though quick twenty five <laughs> no it's. <laughs> He talks about chubby. It should be go back to his hair when his hair was short and then now how it's long. Like I knew the beginning process of the hair. So that's what. No lie. No lie. lie. (laughs) That's what we should talk about that, that portion. But no, it was, you know, it was absolutely fun. Like I knew they were going to be. I can't even picture Colin with short hair. Oh my goodness. I'll have to show you a picture after this. (laughs) I'll have to show you a picture. Terrible. But that's, you know, like that was always a fun part is just, you know, the competition, the competing. And it was one of those things like, you know, I, seen him in the gym like like i said he's he's at hoover's gym every sunday like he's in the gym so it's not like i'm not still like seeing him i'm not around him it's we're still seeing each other we're still joking around like we're still hanging out but it was it was was always fun though all right real quick let's leave leave leaving all the talent and the skill behind you colin and you still have it but you you just played with this like ridiculous level of style right you had your own style on the court and it was it was Colin Slater that's just it was it was your own thing and I I think skill aside I think that was part of what drew people to the gym was just like what's he gonna do next like where did that where did that come from man um it's one of those things you can't teach I feel like it's god-given you know what I mean like um it's always it's always about faith with me. Like when it comes down to the way people see you or how they feel when they watch you operate in your gift, it's not you that they're really seeing. You know what I'm saying? Like they're seeing who who God made you to be in that moment. Like that's when you're that's when you're where you're supposed to be. That's when you've arrived. Like when you may see a Picasso painting, or you may see Basquiat, or you may see you know what I'm saying, the Michelangelo. All those things are the the epitome of who that artist is or who that creator is or who that person is operating in their full potential of where they're supposed to be. So he he would grant me, like, I wouldn't be afraid to make certain plays. And in my heart, that's who I am as a player. Like, I wouldn't be afraid to take the, take the challenge of playing against the, the toughest teams or guarding the best player or winning or losing the game based on my shot or me not shooting. You know what I'm saying? Like he granted me the, the, the heart and the courage and the will to kind of be that guy and, um, you know, be different and be special. I have this one, it really was an insignificant moment, but this moment of you that I'll, I'll never forget. It's like forever ingrained in my brain. And I was Mm -hmm. sitting in the front row and you know we didn't know each other, but I'm sitting in the front row at a game. You were you were playing with Emmanuel, and it was at Fresno City College. 
Mm-hmm. I don't remember who you were even playing. I don't remember anything about it. Senior year, correct? Senior year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't even remember who you were playing. I just remember I was it was in the at city college, and you picked up a you were on defense, and you picked up your man full court, and you got they blew the whistle. They called you for a foul, and the, the look on your face, you just kind of stared down the referee, and you had this little grin, but like this like disapproving look. And I swear to God, that referee regretted that call the moment he saw your face. And it was just its a totally insignificant thing. But I swear I will never forget it just because, I don't know, it, was, it goes back to that style thing. It was just the way you did it. And it was like, you know you were wrong. Like, I, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. No question. <laughs> so, you know, you talk about Emmanuel. This is what's crazy, too, is I feel like, talking about Emmanuel, I feel like, this is before the open, you know, we don't have yeah. the, you know, like how they have the CIF open, the section open championship now where it's best teams. I think Emmanuel helped create what we have now because yeah. of their team. And I honestly, I would tell everyone they're the best team. They're by far the best team in the section. You know, even though you guys had to play in D4 or whatever, like you were going to blow everyone out. And I was like, teams don't want to play them, but you guys got put in the open your senior year against a very, very good high school basketball team. Maybe one of the greatest high California high school basketball teams ever in Chino Hills. What was that game like? Oh, man. Like, they were <laughs> – it was funny because they didn't lose a game that year. Like, <laughs> they didn't lose. And, and when, I, when I say that, I'm not saying, like, they're a local team. Like, they literally went to national tournaments. Yeah, they played that prep like, schedule. Yeah, they played a prep schedule and didn't lose a game. Like, not a game. So I'm I'm going into the game like, oh, yeah, we're here. Like, now it's time to really see who I am. Like, it's time to see. But once you get there and you start really understanding, like, nah, bro, like, this is really the perennial number one team in the country right now. Like, the calls they would get, the certain like, the certain things that would happen. Like, we'd have a travel if I did, like, a, a lift fake and a jab. That's a travel going the other way. And when they get the rock, don't stand in front of them. It's a foul and one. Like little things like that made you really realize, nah, bro. Like this is this is what it's like when you're outmatched. Like you're really you're really not about to win this game, especially at Chino Hills. Like we was in there. There's no way they was letting us come out with a win. Now you'd said you said earlier you were in the in the you know the rankings. You were always right there with Lonzo. Did you know him at this point when you guys played? Man, we always know each other. Okay. Like, it was one of those things where every camp you're at, I'm there. And he sees the rankings, too. Like, we played against each other a couple times going to AAU. But, like, you you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, as you as you go up and you play him, you kind of have the idea of who they are. Like, I, see, I remember seeing them at a tournament in Vegas um, prior to that. And then... I think it was LaMelo at the time. He was a baby, and his teeth were jacked up. He was like, yo, what's up, bro? Like, he was the first one to kind of break the ice and saying what's up to me. And then after that, like, I, I would see him, and I'd dap him up a little bit and, like, kind of give him a head and, uh, just out of respect because they know we all went to battle before. No, it, that, that team was absolutely talented. So let's talk about, you know, your recruiting process. Talk about just, you know, obviously you choose Tulane, but, you know, talk about just the different schools – that uh, were recruiting you, and then, you know, ultimately, why'd you choose Tulane? Right. 
Um, man, I had a wide range of schools because um, I did graduate with a, like a 4.0. And I had, I think my junior year, I had two semesters having a 4.2. So I had that Ivy bag too, that Ivy League. I had like Brown. I had uh, Harvard. Harvard was recruiting you hard. Yeah, you remember that. I had a few Ivies on me, so I was like, I, that was the most exciting part to me. I'm like, nah, I'm really like that. Like, I got I got Ivies on me. I could go. And then um, I had Washington recruit me, Colorado. Like, you name it, The pretty much all the West Coast schools except UCLA and, like, U, USC, they wasn't really on it. Um, a lot of the American, after, after Tulane offered me, a lot of them started coming along a little bit. Um, but mainly I, I chose Tulane just because, you know, that was my dream school. And like, that was, that was something that was super, super important to me to, to go back home and kind of put on. Cause last time they seen me, I was a kid, but coming back and really, you know, leaving a legacy there was definitely a goal of mine. And rewinding back to uh, getting recruited at Emmanuel, you, Jason, you know how small Emmanuel is. Yeah. So, like, I'm in, like, head coaches coming in and they getting boatloads of mail. Like, you know what that would that would do. That moved throughout the school and throughout the city fast. Like, no, we just had this person in here watching college. We had, like, five or six coaches in here, head coaches traveling out to Reedley to watch me. Like, I even had the, the whole coaching staff at Tulane flew out at 4 a.m., and we had a we had a morning practice, like a morning open gym at like five a.m. They was in the gym watching, <laughs> so like that just goes to show like how you know what I'm saying, no matter where you're at, you're gonna get recruited. And I was in Reedley, California. They didn't even know how to get there. So I I gotta wonder, did Tulane did that staff initially think they had a chance at you when all these you know all these big schools are coming after you, or did they know right away just because you were the hometown kid? They they didn't believe it was real until I took my official visit and signed. They were always like, "Man, if if you come, I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm gonna go." <laughs> They're like, "If if you do, if you do," they, it didn't become real, and then they really celebrated after I signed because like they knew they knew the polos that they were going against. Like they would see everybody at my games during AAU. The I had Oklahoma, I had LSU, like I had big time schools that were like, hey, if you give us a shot, we we really want to talk to you. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to Tulane. <laughs> I'm telling cousin I told Lorenzo Romar that while he was at Washington. He's on the phone with me. He's like, hey, tell me your top three. I said, I'm not gonna lie. Tulane's number one. <laughs> <laughs> you I remember like you used to tell people that like when you were in like eighth grade though. Like people asked you right. like, where do you want to go? Like I think right, didn't you tell Johnny Dawkins at Stanford? Like Yes. Yes. <laughs> like he asked him, like, where do you want to go? Like, what's your dream school? He's like Tulane, and people always used to think he's joking around. And I'm like, that's where like he wants to go. What I used to joke around with Colin is, I'm like, you keep playing how you're playing, you're gonna end up at Loyola, which is across the street. <laughs> <laughs> that's what people don't realize. I used to, I used to be on him like that. Like he's like, oh, I'm gonna go to Tulane. I'm like, you keep playing how you're playing, you're gonna be at Lo- Loyola, which he knows is across the street, <laughs> which is a di- little yeah. smaller school. But I used to always joke around with him about that. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so for you, it was it was strictly like, like, look, you you, it wasn't your choice to leave the first time, and so now right. it's it's time to go home. Right. So you end up going to Tulane. Um, 
a little different though. The staff that you initially had committed to end up leaving, and then you bring in Mike Dunleavy. Right. So, was there any hesitation of do I still go to Tulane, or was it it was always about the school Tulane? Man, always about the school. Same situation. Like all my choices, um, generally were because of how it would benefit me as a person in basketball, like dead last. Cause I always felt like that would just work itself out. So you end up going to Tulane and your very first collegiate basketball game against North Carolina. <laughs> what was that like? And what was your nerves like going into that game? Man. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to feel because like, you know how it is once you get to college and from high school. Like, high school's pregame warm-ups are so different from college in the aspect of, like, in college, you go on, a, you go on the court and you go back in the locker room. Um, you, don't all, you don't already have your uniform on. Like, you're not watching a JV game. <laughs> you're just, like, it's you. You're out there. You got guys rebounding for you. You got two sets of warm-ups, like, Everything was just different. And then once the ball tips, you understand, nah, like, you running the show, Colin. Like, you running the show and Joel Berry's call. So this is the – this. I'll, I'll say this. This is the three point guards that I messed up with that whole game. I had Joel Berry, Nate Britt, and the seventh Woods as the third string. Played all of them. So people got to understand, that was my welcome. Like, hey, welcome to college, my boy. And the game felt easy. It did. You know what I mean? But there's, like, a lot of nuances to the game that you got to learn at the college level that you only kind of get with experience. But, man, that game was so fun. No, and I remember, yeah, because Seventh Woods, man, that kid, just freak athlete. And I remember there was a lot of comparisons between you and Seventh when you guys were little in junior high. Right. So, Yeah. I remember that game though. Yeah, it was super exciting, super fun to watch. Um, but you know, you're at Tulane, and really, what makes it difficult is right. You chose Tulane because you know you wanted to go back home, but it wasn't the staff that recruited you. And even though you were always the best point guard on the team, and you always commanded the offense the best, but that's not always what that coaching staff wanted to go in that direction because you weren't one of their guys. Right. So talk about that. What was that like? Man, um, it, it was kind of one of the the harsh realities and truths of the business of college basketball and, quite frankly, any business in life. You know what I'm saying? When you're under new management, um, there, there are a lot of things that are out of your control. And all you can do is bring a positive attitude towards the situation but at the end of the day um it's tough because when you work at something and you you know you're a winner you know that you're capable of being special you know that you you're better than a lot of the guys that play it's tough to sit back and like watch you know you be on the losing end of things and guys that play aren't that good to you you know what i'm saying but um, I, I would say overall, it, it gave me a lot of growth and a lot of insight on how to, you know, approach the game and understand you got to be a pro um, before I even got there. 
So you end up, right, I know, I kind of know your dad wanted you to transfer a little bit earlier, but you were <laughs> big on, right, you were big on, like, you wanted to get your degree from Tulane. Right. And I remember that was the biggest thing when we had conversations and then even having conversations with your dad, like, it was always like, you were like, I want to get my degree from Tulane. And I know you were so, like, you were close, but then it got to the point where it was just, like, this ain't gonna, this ain't good, for, this is just, it's, there's no situation where you're going to come out successful right? in both aspects. So right. talk about that and then kind of talk about, you know, ultimately leaving Tulane and hitting a transfer portal. Yeah. Um, there came a point where like there was, it was, it was blatantly said like, yo, we just want bigger guards. Like we're going to play guards that are six, five and up. And I'm like, okay, like that's literally something I can't do. Like it's not about me developing a certain skill set, um, working on making better reads. It's not about me being able to score better or defend more. It's just you want bigger guards. So I'm like, all right, that's as clear as day. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else. Because although I do want a degree, I still love basketball. Like I love the game. And if I'm not gonna get a chance, like, yeah, I'm out of here. So I hit the portal and then um a lot of schools reach out, like off the top, boom, a lot of schools reach out. And my dad, they always, somehow, they find, like the big schools really find their way to my dad's phone and they call him and they talk to him. My dad's like, listen, man, you're not gonna go through this twice. Like, you're not gonna do that. And a lot of the coaches apparently were like, kind of, I wouldn't say at risk, but they could or could not be on the move. Whether they had a really good year and they made move somewhere or they had a tough year and they may get moved. So my dad was like, man, you got to be sure about what you're going to do. So then I ended up really committing to Long Beach State after I took a visit because um, since you carry, he he sold me. He was like, hey, man, I got a, I got a spot where you're going to be able to play and you're going to get a real opportunity to get out there and, you know what I'm saying, play the game you love to play because I know you're good. And I know that you're you're beyond talented. You just need an opportunity. Um, so yeah, I ended up at Long Beach State. So we're not going to downplay this because you know you did go to Long Beach State, but people don't understand. Like Gonzaga was a school that contacted. Marquette was a school that contacted. You know, like right. Like I, I want to throw those out there too because what people don't understand, like those are schools that you know they were contacting you when you were leaving Tulane, and I was super happy because Long Beach. I was like, ooh. Get to, you know, he's just down the road and go watch him play and stuff. So I was super excited. Right. But talk about, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, you go to Long Beach State and just talk about just the acclimation, getting acclimated to, you know, campus and to your teammates. Right. Um, Long Beach State, I first got there and it was like, it was as the epitome of California. Like everybody was laid back. It wasn't no real, like, no one really cared about too much. Like, everybody was just kind of going with the flow. And for me, I, I needed that change of pace because I was definitely an individual who was really, really high strung in the sense to where I was trying to get to it all the time. Like, I'm like, nah, we need to do this. We need to do that. I'm, I'm on it. And I was just like, hey, man, it, they, they really taught me how to be a good teammate it, as well as a as a more relaxed individual. So I would, I would say that was a huge 
benefit and a part of my acclimation process, just chilling a little bit more, but at the same time, balancing out when it's time to get real serious and get on top of things. So, you know, you know, you know, you're at Long Beach State, but you got guys that, which is funny, is they got Central Valley ties. You got teammates that have ties to the Central Valley and, you know, Jordan Roberts, you know, we're going to say, you know, Drew Cobb went to Fresno City, even though he's from SAC. But, like, what was that like, you know, like, when you get there, like, you got guys that kind of from your second home? Oh, man. Hey, we hit it off right off the bat. Like, those are my guys forever. Like, it's it's an unconditional love I have for them. You know what I mean? Like, that that's not going nowhere no matter what. I, it's funny. I just had a conversation with Jordan about that. Like, yo, bro, like, when I first – I'll tell one story about each of them. The very first time I hit campus, me and Jordan had – we were roommates at the time. So as soon as I hit the dorms, first of all, I'd go from living by myself to sharing a room, like an actual room. That was one thing. I was like, so, Jordan, where's my room at? And then he's like, we're in the same room. <laughs> like, you're in here with me. And I'm like, yo, watch out, bro. Like, what? <laughs> This is where I'm living. Like, I'm living with you? Where's the bathroom? He was like, yeah, we share it. I said, just me and you? He was like, no, like, four other rooms on each side. I'm like, oh, my God, bro, no. I'm like, nah, this can't be real. I need to stay off campus. I was trying to figure it out. But um, fast forward, uh, later in the summer, after workouts, me and him had, like, maybe a total of $11 to our name. Like, we, we were going through it, like, this is before cost of attendance and all this other stuff. So like we were like going through it. And then um, we were at the Dollar Tree in the parking lot. Like, all right, bro, we got to think about 10 things we're going to get. And we, we really like, we went through that moment together and that kind of solidified our, you know, our relationship. And then with Drew, like he's a guy that he would go out and get food and stuff. And he would always make sure like, like hey, yo, bro, you want something? And even at times, if I didn't, I didn't answer him, he'd still bring me some food back, or he'd always just be sure to come and tap in and check on me and just holler at me and stuff. So, those guys are great guys, and not only do they have ties, they're just great, solid dudes. That's a big roommate, though. <laughs> That's a big roommate. Definitely sharing a room. That's a you take up a lot of space. He's <laughs> six eight, bro, like <laughs> crazy. Take up a lot of space. Real quick, on you, you mentioned Thank You Carry. Was was that a connection from just from being in Fresno when his, when he was at Fresno State? I believe so. And plus, um, Kevin Bell, I, I really, I looked up to Kevin Bell. And Kevin Bell and Thank You were like really close. So somehow, some way, like I think he saw the name and he was familiar with me. Because for one, when I I played one AU tournament Portland on Memorial Day with Kevin Bell. And at the time, Kevin Bell was getting mentored by SynQ for coaching. So, like, he kind of already knew who I was because I was a talented young kid. And I would go in there and play play with the Fresno State guys. As a young, like a young guy, they would let me get out there and play. And I like, ooh. So he knew I was good enough to play. So as fast forward, I'm older now, and he coaching. He got the same vibe. He's like, oh, yeah, you free? <laughs> come on, come play. Come to Long Beach State. Yeah, because I think he was – I think his time at Fresno State, I think he had, got like, Tyler Johnson and those teams, so. Yeah. So you go to Tulane, right? You go you, – you're playing your first year. 
right? What was that like your first season? I mean, sorry, you're playing at Long Beach State. What was your first year at Long Beach State like? Man, first year at Long Beach State, great. <laughs> it was great. I, I think um, – and this was the first year I was playing or the redshirt year? Uh, the first year you were playing. Okay, first year I was playing. It was great, but at the same time, it was super tough, man. I, I was adjusting to the way they coached. I went from being kind of micromanaged in the sense to where, like, the coaches make every play call and to they'll just sit down the whole game and let you play. And you know me, bro. I was analytical at the time. Like, I would need to, like, make the right play every single time. And these coaches, they're like, hey, bro, take a risk. Go out there and play. You do it. You can't look at me on the sideline and make these plays. You out there. So it took me a, a while to get acclimated with that that first year. But overall, it was dope. I had a great time. Well, yeah, you were starting all the games. You went from not getting much run to now all of a sudden you're starting. <laughs> of course it's going to be fun. Major burn. <laughs> talk about COVID, man. Talk about that. Just talk about that COVID season. What was that like? And Right? Like you, you didn't play the first half of the season. Kind of talk about, you know, the COVID year and like what was it like practicing and then what made you kind of sit out and then what made you come back and play that second half of the season yeah COVID was a tough that was a tough transition for everybody I think um but speaking on Long Beach State and I sat out the first semester because I wasn't sure about how things were gonna go as far as like the protocols and safety and like Am I going to be good? Because you know my situation, Jason. Like, you know I have a respiratory issue, yep. and, like, it could get real critical for me. Yep. So I was like, man, I can be sure I'm I'm on point and that everybody's on point. And by the time it was time to make a choice, um, they were they still didn't even have, like, a secure, like, protocol in order yet. They was like, we just truly don't know. And I was like, yeah, I got to sit out this first half. And at that point, um, I knew I could come back in the second half. But no one knew that but I was already in communication with the athletic director about it. Like, is it the full year I have to sit out or can I choose per semester? And he was like, it was per semester. So it was a no brainer. So after I did that, um, came back the second semester and once again, got an opportunity to play a little bit and won some games. How much was it like, how, like how much, how excited were you when you, you know, you finally got to go back on that court though, that second semester and finally, you know, get to play with your teammates super excited um like because you met you feel like you're missing a part of yourself when you're not playing you see your teammates out there hooping and like especially when things will go south or like they're, they'd be in tough games i'm like dang i wish I, I know i could help them right here like i know i could come in and contribute so it, it was it was amazing to be back so let's you know going into this season did you guys know you had the team and the talent to win the championship, win the regular season championship? You know me. I feel like I'm on squad. We <laughs> always know. <laughs> I'm playing. But, no, I, I, I knew I knew that we, we definitely had the, the skill set, the talent, and we had the right leadership this time around. So I, I didn't doubt that we'd be great. Um, but I knew it would take some work for us to figure it out, though. No, yeah, it was – so, you know, you guys had some – unbelievable games um but just talk about really talk about you know your last 
senior night, man. Senior night. Just talk about senior night at Long Beach State. Man, senior night was surreal for me. Like, before the game, I'm just like, I'm thinking, wow, bro, like, this is it. Like, this is really it. I didn't even know how senior night was going to be formatted. I had no clue. I'm just like, this is do or die time. Like, this is time. Like, if we lost that game, because mind you, our coach, although we solidified our spot as conference champs, our coach was like, we lose this game, man. Y'all not cutting no nets down. Like, y'all just going to go back home. I'm like, no way we not cutting these nets down today. There's no way. And I knew UCR was coming in there and playing their best game because they just recently – they, I think they beat Fullerton like a couple days before by like two. So they was on their tour of like trying to get a second place seed or third place seed. Like they were fighting for their life. So I'm like, all right, we're going to have to dig in here. And we just came off a, a buzzer beater. Um, but senior night was great, man. I had, I had Alex there. I had, I had a lot of important people there, a lot of my family there. So, you know, kind of wit- witnessed me cap off the season. So I got to mention this because you guys are cutting down the nets. But y'all mm-hmm. send somebody up there, the first person to go up there, y'all send a teammate up there who ain't never cut down the nets before, don't know how that process works. What were y'all thinking? He almost cut the whole net down. Then he cut a strand off and thought he was going to give a strand to every single person. Like, what was that about? I wasn't there for that. I heard about it, though. I, I, I wasn't there for that. I was crying or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what was that feeling like when you were climbing up the ladder to cut down the nets? Because, one, first of all, I know you ain't a big fan of heights. So, <laughs> Man, it was gratifying. It was gratifying. It, it was like all the, all the work and all the sacrifice and all the hate, all the talk, all the – you know what I'm saying? Like, it all comes to a head. Nah, like – we the champions though. Like not only did we have to endure, like we got picked second to last in our conference, like at the beginning of the season. So like we endured the disrespect and after every game, it was kind of like, it was fluke. Like we were lucky. Like when we was on our streak, it was like, Oh, that was just one game. Oh, that was just one game. Oh, that was just one game. And we're like, we're eight in, where's the luck at? And they're like, nah, one game. (laughs) And it was like, so at that point, it's like, no, we really solidified who we are as champions. No, yeah, that was awesome, man. It was an awesome moment, you know, to see. And I still got your your head on a stick. Still have that. <laughs> uh, so, right, you guys, you know, you win the regular season championship. You now go into the conference tournament. Obviously, mm-hmm. championship game is not what you probably expected or not how you wanted to end right. end it. But just, you know, just talk about, you know, talk about that game. Talk about going, you know, to the NIT and just finishing up your, you know, your college career. I want to start this off. I got to throw some shade at uh, a school we beat in the semifinals. Um, <laughs> they, so going into the turn, all right, I'm, I'm going to just walk you through game by game. First game, Bakersfield, um, the announcements came out, player of the year. I already know how they're going to guard. Like, this game isn't about me. It's about getting this win, and they're – yeah. So we go ahead and get that win. So the morning of, 
I don't know if you've seen this, Jason, on my IG. The morning of, like, because I scored my thousandth point against Bakersfield as well. So on that post, they had, like, 15 comments of guys, like, saying, nah, the, the other team's point guard is going to end your college career. Um, Y'all going to lose by 30. That Like, it was a lot of just a lot of stuff that they were saying. And you know how I take trash talk. So I'm like, okay, this can't be real. Like, I can't – they can't really be talking to Colin. Like, out of everybody on our team, you can't be talking to me like this. So then, mind you, I have four points in the Bakersfield game. Turn around the next day, I'm like, okay, it, it's personal, this game. Like, this game is personal. So I go out and get 30. I set a new career high. On the previously set career high, I set on that same team. So I was like, my whole approach in that game was like, yeah, no way we're going to lose this game, one. And two, there's no way y'all disrespecting me as a player. Even if it wasn't them, I, I took it out on them because their fans did it. And at that point, that's when I was like, we got to win this whole thing. Boom, fast forward to the championship game. I have a certain amount of respect for their program just because, you know, they have a sustained amount of excellence just like us. You know what I'm saying? We just sustained it a little bit more. People don't understand how hard it is to win at this college level. Like to win the amount of, to win double digits in your league, um, in a league that's like not as big as all the other conferences, but like where every game matters and you may play 13 games, 14 games. And like, if you get to reach like 10, 11 wins, like a 10 win team was in second place. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot to say out of 13, 14 games. So, you know, getting to the championship was an honor for me. I, I felt like every game was was a blessing. But to lose, it was tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody wanted to win more than me. Nobody. And at the end of the day, I watched the, I watched the last play over and over and over and over and think, why was I <laughs> – like, why did I do that? But I think that's all a part of growth and understanding and, you know, getting me prepared for that next step. So when you look back at your college career, like what what are the things that you look back and, you know, you take you take from and you just you look back and just admire what you've accomplished? Man, one of my sheesh <laughs> I I would probably say I would probably say scoring a thousand points because that's some, like, I'm going to be honest. Like I didn't think I'd be able to do that this year. Like that's where I was at mentally. I was just like this year, I'm not even focused on, you know what I'm saying? Accolades or nothing. I just want to enjoy my last year of playing ball in college. Like that's it. So when I found out I I had the opportunity to score a thousand points, it was like, because now you're in a different company. Like, you're in different company. I know a lot of great players who haven't scored that. And then on top of that, I'm a champion. Man, you can't make that up. Like, th- those were, those were like, huge deals to me. No, that's awesome. You know, the funny thing is, though, I look back and the thing, I, the stat that kind of amazes me, well, actually, doesn't amaze me. I'm be a little honest because I'm always hard on you, is that <laughs> – 
for a career, you shot 84% from the free throw line, which, granted, people, like, that's a great percentage, 84%. But if you knew this kid when he was young and when he missed free throws, what he would have to do, <laughs> where he would be at in the next morning or even that night, if he just missed one free throw, he could go literally like 9 for 10, 19 for 20. He missed a free throw. He was going to be in the gym shooting. So for him to shoot only, like in my mind, I'm like, dang, I feel like he should be, should have shot a higher percentage of that in his career. <laughs> but I just, because I just for know sure. like all the time he put in shooting and free throws. But no, nah, man, I just, it's been an absolute joy just to watch your journey, man. Like just to see the growth of a boy being turned into a man. Now, that's that's the part I, I absolutely love, just being able to watch the growth. Right. It's crazy. I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know, you wound up at Long Beach State, right? And I, I don't know if there's another basketball program around the country that had more of a Fresno influence, right? I mean, Jason mentioned Drew, and then you're, so, you're there, and AJ's there, and then on the women's side – Savannah's there, and then Maddie Udi transfers there, and there's like this whole Fresno thing going on at, at Long Beach State. Right. That was that was dope, having a lot of those Valley connections there. We'd always talk about it, and we'd joke around about that all the time. Like, how do we end up here? <laughs> so what's next with Colin Slater and just, you know, basketball, future? Man, um... NBA workouts, NBA summer league. And then from there we see if it's NBA or G league or overseas, but overall, man, I'm, I'm just excited for these next steps, man. Definitely. Definitely professional though. Gonna play, gonna play somewhere, no matter where it takes you. No matter what we're going, we're going to be in a great situation. I promise that. No, that's the one thing is his parents, and his sister always made sure he was going to be in a great situation. Even if he did not agree with them or would <laughs> fight them, they always made sure he was going to be in a great situation. Right. And that's one thing is dad was tough. Like dad held him basketball wise. And like, but people don't understand his parents, their standard for education is probably twice the expectations Man. they had for him basketball wise. And I don't think people understand that like his basketball expectations were high. But what his his family's expectations for him in the classroom were twice as high. Facts. <laughs> Colin, everybody in the basketball world knows, you know, they know your dad. But uh, talk, talk about your mom for a second. Man. <laughs> hey, like, most people think my dad's like a real dog. Like, he's, he's on it. My mom <laughs> is a savage. Like... <laughs> She's so loving and she'll like if you meet her, you would not be able to tell. Like she'll she has a smile and this energy and this soft voice that's like no way she could talk to you like that. Like when it comes to school or if it comes to like something um as it relates to, to being respectful or respected, like my mom will turn it up. You know when Jason was talking about me shooting free throws a hundred or like I shoot after, after games, she's the one that implemented that. She's the one that said, no, 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 we're not going to miss free throws. Colin, we got to make a hundred. And I'll say, okay, mama, I'll go do it. She's like, no, 
I'm going with you right now. <laughs> and she would be the one out there. Like there was one time specifically at Alta Sierra, I was a kid, I was young. I'm like, mom, it's raining. She's like, hold on, let me get this jacket. She gives me a jacket and we're shooting in the rain. I gotta still make a hundred. It gets dark. I'm missing cause it's raining and windy. I'm like, I'm not gonna make a hundred, mom, I can't. She was like, don't worry, we got lights. She turns on the high beams on the car and we still have to make 100. That's my mom. <laughs> I love it. That's that's incredible. And what people don't understand too, his sister, Miz, Miz, unbelievable dancer, man. Just what she's doing. Like this, this family's just super talented, super talented. Yeah. Very, like just, I can't say enough about how great this family is. Definitely, that's facts. Well, you mentioned Shout the out. you mentioned the four too. I imagine that was uh that was for mom, right? Man, mom, she got dad on board. She got <laughs> sis on board. I'm like, dang, y'all, y'all really, y'all really doing it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me talk about that real quick. What people don't understand is his mom had a plan before he got into high school. What classes he needed to take so he could right. be so he was capable of going to like Ivy League or wherever. Like his mom right. literally had a plan going into his freshman year of these are the classes you need to take your freshman year. These are the classes you need to take by your sophomore year. These are the classes you need to take by your junior. Year, these are the classes you need to take by your senior. Year. Like mom's already had a plan of like, this is what, these are the steps you need to be at so you can reach these marks. No need for a school counselor. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, that's why when the Ivy League started recruiting you, it meant a little bit more, huh? Man, seriously. Hmm. Nah, it's there's so yeah, it's I can I can I can go on hours raving about this family. Well we're already we're already ninety minutes in here, and what's great is the story's not over, Jason. No, it is not. It's uh he's got a whole nother chapter or two to write still. No, and what people don't understand too is Pops, he's a little older now, he don't play as much. But he's still like he's still one of the best ball handlers I've ever seen. What his dad can do with a ball, just like I became a better basketball player, just a better ball handler because he would always when we were coaching together, he would always have me demonstrate or you have a little column demonstrate or he like there's a lot of things that you do two ball stuff like you have to do two people with. So like I would get brought in and I was like oh man I gotta get better like I just gotta, <laughs> my ball handling skills gotta get better. But it was just one of those things that, like, my ball handling got to just improved so much just because of the different drills and the hand-eye stuff that he does. It's it's high level. And I anybody who's watching, like, I always send out his number. I'm like, if you, like, you want to get serious in this game, like, you want to get serious with basketball, like, s senior, that's the guy you go to. Well, he's still at it because I saw a video just, I think, yep. two days ago of him in the gym with Orion. No, and he's just – how he breaks it down step by step and just how he does things, how he teaches it, it's – it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how, how he works with kids and how he teaches the game. Man, well, uh, seriously, Colin, this has been fun. I can't thank you enough for uh, for taking the time just to sit here and chat with us. Man, I appreciate you guys having me. I've, I've been waiting to come off the bench. <laughs> I should have had you come off the bench a little bit more when I coached you. <laughs> oh, hush. <laughs> Hey, stop all that capping. Now you capping. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Nah. So hey, at the end of the at the end of the day, right? The story's, you know, the high school, the college story is over. Uh, you know, 
the transfer to Emmanuel, going to Tulane, all the different steps. No regrets? None. I like it. Zero. Everything happens for a reason. Everything. God's in control of this shit. Yeah. Nah, man. I can't call you. You know what I think of you, man. You know I love you. And just once again, man, thank you for taking the time. Because I know you. I know you're a busy, busy man. <laughs> Especially now. It's different right now. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys. Seriously. I'm, it's an honor letting y'all, um, y'all allow me to share my story. And y'all ask real insightful questions. And that Jason, you know what I'm saying? You're doing what you're doing. Giving, giving a platform to people to tell their stories in a real way. Um, keep doing it, man. I let us off the bench. Hopefully we do this after I get drafted or something. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. As far as I'm concerned, Colin Slater is like, just friend of show. Whenever you want to come on, you're on. Yep. <laughs> just don't take my spot. <laughs> just don't take my spot because I know how you want to go in communications. Just don't take my job. Nah, you good. <laughs> nah, you good. good. I want to invest. I want to get to a spot where I can invest in y'all. Ooh, I love that. I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, man, seriously, thank you so much. Uh, just can't thank you enough. So that's it. This is Off the Bench featuring the legend, Colin Slater. You've been listening to the Off the Bench podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench.